What's up, champs? Welcome to another episode of the Keeping Carlson Short Shifts Fantasy Hockey Podcast, the podcast so nice we named it thrice. I am your host, Ben Burnett. Joining me, as per usual, my good pal and yours, Louis Ezekiel. Louis, my friend, welcome back to the show, My uh, the Zoom call and the Twitch stream that we're on. How are you doing tonight? Good. Yeah, we have so many different forms of media that we can use to be in touch with, you, with each other. It's very nice. Yeah, it's, some people would call this multimedia. Absolutely. Uh, and I'm very excited. We have several injuries to talk about. So uh, after all the chatter from the last episode of Keeping Carlson, where Elon lamented uh, having to go through the motions and, you know, honor the uh, the injured folks. I'm very excited to just disrespect them and then move straight on to the very important fantasy hockey business. Yeah, like, th- that's a very funny joke and also makes me w- just want to know, like, does it really count as lamenting the injury if you are feeling uh, forced to do it? You know what I mean? Oh, sure. That's a good question. I yeah. understand where you're coming from with that. Yeah, is, is Elon secretly problematic about injuries that's that's the real question i think i think elon finds uh like what he sees as required uh like social graces as unnecessary (laughs) all right lewis (laughs) let's get into the fantasy hockey part of the show and uh yeah why don't you kick us off tonight all right well the first player that we are disrespecting today no i'm sorry uh some very unfortunate news certainly uh from the avalanche camp uh, as nathan mckinnon left monday's game in the first period after suffering suffering an upper body injury and did not return uh the lines uh from the game uh were pretty chaotic after he left uh so there was no trio that managed more than five minutes and 13 seconds of even strength time together so i don't think we should speculate about lines uh until we see uh, some practice lines come out here. Um, certainly, uh, you know, the big, the big story here is that it was announced, uh, officially now, um, from the Avalanche Twitter feed, uh, that McKinnon is likely to miss about four weeks. Um, so, you know, that's a, that's a good chunk of time here. Certainly, uh, hurts for those McKinnon owners. Uh, and it's one of those injuries, you know, that is, uh, a downgrade across, uh, across the team, certainly. The one thing that I think that is beneficial about, you know, a place like Colorado as opposed to maybe Columbus, where we've talked about lots of injuries and who's filling in on the power play, but is the power play really what it used to be with the injuries? Um, you know, Colorado is a situation where there is enough talent, especially with Rantanen and Makar, to kind of make anyone stepping into that spot still be worthwhile, despite losing, uh, obviously, a pretty critical player in, uh, in McKinnon. Um, so uh, the top unit was Comfort, Newhook, Rantanen, Taves, and Makar on the power play. Uh, Taves was the McKinnon replacement after the first period. Uh, Newhook managed a power play goal and an even strength goal on two shots. Comfort got an assist and three shots and both played well over 20 minutes. They likely won't see that much usage without mid-game injuries, but they've still been seeing big minutes lately. Comfort has at least 19 minutes in five of the last six games. Newhook has seen 20 minutes at least in two straight. Um, is this a situation where you think you would want to just rush out and grab one of them if they are available? Or are you thinking that you would want to wait and see lines, maybe see who lines up with Rantanen if if both guys are available? I mean, I think obviously we talk a lot about like league dependency. And I think for the most part, it's in this case, you're wondering, okay, is one of these guys gone already? Uh, are they the type of, are they like, you know, 
uh, number one with a bullet on the Yahoo like uh, transaction trends list because everyone else in other leagues has been adding them. And uh, as a result, they're kind of like uh, they're like two of the best options left. I think those are sort of the considerations that I, I try and put into making a decision like this as to whether I'm going to run out. Um, for the most part, though, I, I presume that you're you're sort of waiting to see who plays where. And for me, it's, you know, Colorado does have two off night games this week, uh, one tomorrow, one on Sunday. Uh, and then they have a game on Friday, which is a busy night. So, I mean, that's pretty decent for this week. Uh, there's not a ton of teams that have two off nights. I, I guess it's not amazing, but it's pretty good. And I think that Colorado is a team where there's so much opportunity that it's not like I'm against uh, t- swinging, like taking a home run swing on one of these guys early. So I, uh, yeah, I think I would take Comfort over Newhook because he's seen more minutes for longer, and I just feel like Newhook is going to be on a shorter leash. So that that's where I lead. What about you? Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of the same. And I, I took when I took Comfort over Newhook, it was looking at the, um, you know, more consistent shooting, and like you said, the the better minutes over a longer period of time. Uh, you know, if you look back in the game log, you see uh, Newhook with some 15-minute games back there, whereas Newhook has been consistently in those high teens or low 20s. Uh, and outside of a five-shot game, I think that generally we've been seeing uh, Comfort shooting more as well. So that's where I leaned um, when I actually grabbed him last week before we had the injury. Um, but I'm hoping that uh, that'll turn into something for me moving forward. But yeah, I think I think you've got the right idea there. All right, Lewis, we'll head to Edmonton next uh, for another injury. Zach Hyman missed Monday night's Oilers loss against Washington. Uh, Fortunately, it looks like Mark Spector reported today that Hyman is likely to return Wednesday. Uh, Looking at what that likely means for the Oilers with Hyman out of the lineup, Jesse Puglia-Yarvi got another bigger, an even bigger role, I should say, on power play one uh, while continuing to ride shotgun with McDavid and Dreisaitl. And uh, shockingly, he continued to be very bad. Uh, Just six points in 25 games this year for Puglia-Yarvi. Kyler Yamamoto returned from injury on Monday and played with RNH and Matthias Yanmark. Uh, no points for Yamamoto and just three assists in 14 games this year. Those two sort of switched back and forth on power play one. Um, we'll talk a little bit more about the current iteration of the, the Oilers power play in the second half of our show, Lewis. But yeah, hopefully someday these, these Oilers can uh, turn a homegrown option into a middle six contributor, which sounds like lofty expectations, I know, but... Maybe someday. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, it certainly seems lofty given the uh, the recent track record there for sure. Uh, speaking of developmental projects, let's talk a little bit about Shane Wright, uh, the the you know supposed number one lock who fell into the Kraken's collective lap this summer. Uh, he's returned to Seattle following a successful conditioning stint in which he scored four goals in five games. This is good news for anyone hanging on to him in a keeper league. I wouldn't rush out to grab him in a one year uh, unless we see some production or some quality power play deployment. Um, you know, definitely good, I think, to see him, you know, get back on track, uh, you know, uh, playing playing down a level. Um, but you know, it does seem like, you know, he's, he's unlikely to break into the top six anytime soon. Uh, there is some cause for optimism. We saw him practicing with the third line today after practicing on line four on Monday. Uh, he was centering Gord and Oliver Bjorkstrand. So that certainly is a better option, uh, than being down on the fourth line. But, 
uh, exciting, I think, from a hockey standpoint and, and maybe for folks uh, in those keeper leagues. But as far as your one-year leagues are concerned, uh, I don't think it is especially important. Um, but certainly rooting for him and looking forward to see what he is able to do uh, now that he's got a couple get-right games. Yeah, I think the thing with Shane Wright is the same as, you know, there will be a lot of moments like this throughout the season where a kid from the AHL is called up, high pedigree, you've heard of him before, most of the people that follow hockey closely have heard of this person before, and it's like, is this the moment? And with Shane Wright, you know, the based on the lines that you're talking about, Lewis, doesn't really excite me. Uh, you mentioned the four goals in five games. I do believe it's five and six. Um, but, you know, immaterial. Just the point is he was very, very good in his uh, in his conditioning stint. And so I can understand getting a little excited. But just based on this exact moment, I'm not too, too pumped. I would want to see him getting, you know, starting to – let's see him score a goal in the NHL and and then let's see him get a few extra minutes on the ice and and go from there. Uh, I kind of want to jump to uh to talk about a couple of Columbus players who are in a similar situation. Uh two patrons asked us about a couple of rookies playing on Columbus's top power play tonight, starting with Kirill Marchenko who Columbus recalled earlier this week and who is currently getting his first taste of NHL action versus Pittsburgh. Uh, Marchenko was drafted in the second round by the Jackets in 2018 and didn't come over to North America until this year, uh, where he's been on a tear in the AHL, eight goals and 19 points through 16 games for Marchenko. Uh, he's also averaging more than three shots per game, which is really nice. Um, was starting on line three tonight and according to the box score is seeing uh, about seven minutes two periods in. So looking like he'll average about 10, 10 and a half minutes tonight, which isn't ideal, you know, but it is his first game in the NHL. And this is why I'm the type of person to wait on players like this. As I mentioned with Wright, I'm going to mention it again with Marchenko. I know we have a lot of patrons who jumped on Marchenko. He got snapped up in tier two of the couple, the San Jose division that I play in um, by a team that beat me last week. So our friend Shane. Um, and I, I think that it, it could very well work out just based on how how good the pedigree is, how many points he's put up this year. He looks like he's a player. Um, the question is, does he does he put it together this season? And for me, it's really hard to add a guy for – I just really can't stand waiting uh, for a player that I haven't seen it from before. So to me, that's, that's sort of uh, – that's the sort of player I avoid. Um, another patron question about Marcus Bjork, who has now been on the top power play for Columbus on the point for the past eight games, um, has racked up three power play points in that span. Unfortunately, those are the only points he's put up in the last eight games. Uh, really doesn't do anything for you for hit shots or blocks, you know, averaging around one per game in each category. So to me, if I'm looking at Marchenko, I'm looking at Wright, I'm looking at Marcus Bjork. These are the definition of watch list guys for me where I want to see what they do. I want to see what their time on ice is. I want to make sure I'm watching to see the line combos. If you wanted to take a swing here, I'd probably take it on Marshenko, who's playing on the, we mentioned getting that top power play look with Patrick Laine and Johnny Gaudreau, who continue to be extremely hot. So I would probably swing on Marshenko, um, unless Shane Wright has a big game tonight in, or, uh, yeah, later tonight, in which case I would probably start to, start to buy into that hype as well, just cause, uh, it's, it's exciting, eh? Yeah, I definitely like the idea of kind of sitting and waiting. I think it's been instructive. 
uh, seeing, for instance, how things have gone with Marco Rossi this season, uh, you know, a guy that kind of was pegged like, hey, you know, he had his kind of seasoning year last year and things weren't great, but, you know, he seems very likely, you know, it's a question of when, not if he'll take over that top line center role. Obviously, we haven't seen that happen. Uh, so a good reminder that if we haven't really seen it from that player ever yet, uh, don't get too excited until we start to see it in the real world. Uh, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to fall kind of for that, um, uh, that, that hopium about, uh, these young players before we really see them put it all together. And we know that teams will be patient, will take their time with them, sometimes to an aggravating degree, uh, for those fantasy managers who are really looking forward to seeing these young players, uh, put it all together and get out there. But these coaches have, uh, you know, teams to run. They're trying to win their games. Uh, they're trying to develop these players, but not just, you know, put the whole weight of the team on their shoulders right away the way we sometimes, uh, maybe would hope to see it. Lewis, we are going to take a very quick break. When we come back, we've got some St. Louis Blues to talk about. Uh, You're listening to Short Shifts. Welcome back to Short Shifts. We're talking David Juracek in the... uh in the ad break, uh, join us on twitch.tv slash keeping Carlson for all of the inside jokes. And Lewis, we, uh, we have one more injury to talk about tonight or, or two, I suppose, both in St. Louis. So I'm, I'm wrapping them together in my head. Uh, late injuries for the Blues tonight as Pavel Buchnevich and Tori Krug both missed tonight's game. Coach Craig Berube said they are waiting for doctors to do a full evaluation of their top line left winger and their top power play quarterback. In the meantime, the Blues moved Jordan Cairo to the left side on that team's scoring line with Rob Thomas and Vlad Tarasenko, and Josh Levo took Kiro. <laughs> Excuse me, Josh Levo took Kairu's spot on Ryan O'Reilly's wing. Uh, St. Louis has two more games this week, both off nights, so check that waiver wire to see if anyone interesting is there. Uh, Lewis, I know you're a big fan of Josh Levo who scored tonight. So uh, with that, one I'll, goal, I'll, one assist, one goal, uh, so one far. assist. Yes. Against your uh, your hapless cacupful team. Well, they they have hap. There's a little bit of hap there. Not a ton of hap, but okay. some hap. Not I'm, completely hapless. I'm really sorry I said that. <laughs> All right. I wouldn't sweat it too much. Awesome Matthews will uh, figure out how to play hockey one of these days, right? He simply must. Why don't you talk about a, another player that we both love to cheer against? Ah, yes. Uh, So (laughs) we had this uh, as a request on Discord uh, to talk about Bennington's cold streak and uh, maybe take responsibility for it. Is that the case? (laughs) Uh, We deserve responsibility for this. We've been working a long time preying on Jordan Bennington's downfall. So in the third week of November, Ben and I discussed Bennington, who was enjoying a six-game winning streak. He had had five quality starts in that stretch. And I remember pretty clearly, as Ben closed the segment, he mentioned, like a dang prophet, that while Bennington's streak was nice, he wouldn't recommend trading a valuable piece for him during the hot streak, uh, and that it was as likely we'd be talking about a bad run as it would be a continuation of the good one the next time he came up. Uh, and since that mention... Since, like, starting right immediately after that, Bennington has been in a total tailspin. Six straight losses, no quality starts, four, count them, four really bad starts, under 850 save percentage. None of those starts has seen him nose over 900 save percent Mendoza line. And he's been getting up to his same stupid antics that we see from him when he's frustrated. Uh, he hit Jason Zucker in the face with his glove, hearing the misconduct penalty, chirping at the, the Penguins bench after he was pulled uh, following a fourth goal. Uh, and Coach 
Craig Berube was unimpressed. He said, it's got to stop. It doesn't really help anything. Just play goal. Stop the puck. That is uh, that is some harsh words there uh, for Bennington, who had just has seen uh, as quickly as it began his lovely run uh, really um, uh, turn sour very quickly. Uh, so I don't know, not much to recommend here, except that if you have Bennington, you probably still need to hang on. He doesn't have a lot of pressure behind him. Uh, you know, uh, Grice is, is fine as a backup, but he's not somebody who's likely to try and steal a ton of starts. We saw him, uh, not successfully do that last year in Detroit. Uh, certainly you can't sell him, uh, right now while he's at his rock bottom. So yeah, I think, uh, I think for our Bennington owners, sorry for what we've done. Uh, but you just got to hang in there and hope that he can turn things around. Maybe you try to sell him at a higher point uh, than where he is now. If he can get a couple wins going, uh, it is up to you how you choose to proceed through the rest of the season with this volatile goalie. I'm going to push back on this a little bit. I mean, at first, at, sorry. First of all, I'm going to accept all of the credit uh, that you just gave me for Jordan Bennington's cold streak. Um, second of all, though, I mean, Tor. Tomas Grice currently has is rocking a 960, a minute and a half left in the second period against the New York Islanders. What could go wrong, you know? Uh, not to not to jinx the poor boy. I feel like when people are listening to this, this is going to be a uh, ironic footnote. But uh, just to say that based on what you're saying, Lewis, about Barubi's comments after the game, he doesn't sound like a coach who's like, I got to get Jordan back in after a good game from the backup. It sounds like he's very open to giving uh or he would be very open to giving whoever plays best the next start so i just wouldn't be shocked to see tomas grice getting the next game and that is another off night game for the blues so it's very possible that that's a a stream option for you uh, going against the uh winnipeg which not easy but it's a home game um yeah i I don't know you're you're feeling it a little bit from uh what i'll say First of all, what I should, what I will say is it's just as likely in three weeks we're talking about how, uh, wow, he really turned it around or whatever. Like the, the reason why I was correct is because I correctly predicted that a goalie would be unpredictable. Um, but, or regress to a mean. Um, but looking at Jordan Bennington and into the future, I get, or into the past, I should say, this is a, a guy who was having a terrible streak like a month ago as well and then turned it around immediately. So if he was dropped at that point in your league, it kind of breaks the ice a little bit, right? Like you can kind of – if he's been dropped or you got him off the waiver wire because somebody dropped him earlier in the in the year and then he went hot, you could probably drop him and like just keep your eye on it. Maybe you add him back for the Sunday night game against Washington or you know just keep your eye on the situation. Maybe you lose him, but if you got him off the waiver wire – whatever, you're probably going to find another starter there before too long anyway. Yeah, that is a really interesting point about kind of the psychology of how the league works. Uh, Because once you see that player on the waiver wire, it becomes kind of more acceptable. It's like normalized to see that player on the waiver wire. And it doesn't become that sort of like frantic, oh, we have to grab this guy because he's here for the first time. It's like, oh, yeah, I've seen him there before. Nothing to to get all head up over. You know, maybe I'll grab him if I feel like it. But, you know, uh, it, it does seem less frantic. I think that's a really interesting observation. Over to Edmonton next, where we have a cold streak that complements uh, Brian and Elon on the Mega Show. Uh, they discussed Evan Bouchard's recent hot streak on Sunday, mentioning that he and Tyson Berry have been switching off on that top power play unit. Um, I went to shiftchart.com to, to sort of see what has been going on. And 
basically the Oilers are back to what they did last year with the 1A, 1B power play units where McDavid, Nugent Hopkins, and Dreisaitl will play a full two minutes while Hyman and Barry will alternate with Puyi RV or Yamamoto and Evan Bouchard. Um, which, you know, to me, when I was when I found that out, I thought to myself, okay, maybe this isn't a death knell for Tyson Barry then. He's He's been stinky cold. He's got three points in his last ten. Um, but he was at least enjoying clear top power play deployment, playing the lion's share of the power play minutes for 22 of Edmonton's first 23 games. And then over Edmonton's last three games, Bouchard has edged him out in total power play minutes each time, even though Tyson Berry continues to regularly start that power play shift. So it's kind of interesting. I don't know if this is a coach's decision or just the fact that he doesn't want to risk the players getting caught out there for too long, so he swaps them out at the 45-second mark, and then the the second the 1B unit, the second unit, ends up with a minute 15. That, that seems to be what ha- is happening more than anything that's eating all of Barry's power play time on ice. Um, however, I mean, it's not meaningless, though, right? Like, it's... That, is, that means a chunk of minutes that he was getting in which he was the most dangerous are just completely halved. Um, so I feel like with Edmonton in general, there's this real risk of splitting the baby here by having two top power play quarterbacks. Uh, do they really have one? And I don't think if Barry is a 1B or even in a 1A, 1B situation that he's a must hold. Um, he paced for 45 points last year and he's pacing for 46 points this year. It's, you know, it is what it is. He's a, he is not a player that is going to uh, get you 70 points unless he's getting 70% of the power play time on ice. And that doesn't seem to be uh, likely at this point in, at this point in the season or really moving forward. So um, I think in shallow leagues, he's very droppable. In deeper leagues, what I would do though is I would go I would go talk to somebody who maybe doesn't realize that he's splitting the power play time on ice, who, you know, saw the two power play assists the other night with McDavid and Dreisaitl. Those are still going to show up. He's not going to never point again, but I think he's a little bit closer to a Kalen Addison at this point than he is to a a John Carlson. Although in fairness to Kalen Addison, he's been pretty decent so far or uh, the past week or two, but I digress. Tyson Berry, pretty low on him right now. Yeah, same here. Um, I do want to mention, actually, this is, this is a bit of a tangent, but, um, you know, with Kalen Addison's recent success, that, that Minnesota power play has just been going crazy. Um, I was looking at Joel Erickson Eck and, uh, because he has had a ton of power play points. The guys talked about it on the big show. Uh, that power play has gone eight for 19 over the last six games. Hard to see that level of power play success continuing. Um, but great for them. You know, in the meantime, that was a pretty toothless power play for quite a while during this season. And so to have them go, uh, nearly 50% is really nice. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm with you on Barry. Not very exciting to me. Uh, he just kind of, he is what he is. Uh, and at this point, it seems like he is a guy who, whose star has faded, um, for w- where he saw him previously when he was uh, a true top, uh, power play quarterback option. Uh, yeah, not, uh, not, you know, not super enthused about him. Uh, he just kind of, you know, he is what he appears to be over these last couple of seasons, as you were saying. Let's talk about one more guy on a uh, very hot but very brief uh, streak here, and that is Kasperi Kapanen. Um, he scored a hat trick against the aforementioned uh, goaltending stalwart Jordan Bennington and the Blues. 
which followed up a one goal, one assist performance against Washington. Uh, all of this is prior to Tuesday night's games. I don't have those numbers in here. Um, you know, great to see, but he is only playing 11 to 12 minutes a game on line three with Carter and Brock McGinn. Uh, you know, I will say that power play two deployment has been pretty decent. Uh, we've seen players like Rust and Carter and Zucker down there. So, you know, not a bad second power play. He could be worth an add if you're hoping for him to keep up this very efficient pace. But, um, despite the hot production, you know, excited to see him. Certainly you don't get to play against Jordan Bennington every game of the season, especially when you're in the Eastern Conference. So, uh, uh despite that nice production, I think I would prefer to look elsewhere for a hot streak ad. And he's been quiet tonight, correct? I, I haven't, I guess, looked in a, a, a hot minute, but no points for Kapanen tonight. That's right. Don't believe so. It looks like it's mostly been driven by uh, the top line. Uh, yeah. Jakey Gantz, my boy. Um, yeah. Kapanen, if, the, if he was getting more time on ice, would be much more exciting. Looks like he's also playing a uh, Kirill Marchenko-esque seven and a half minutes tonight. One shot on goal. Three hits. I was excited to see those shot totals since he came back. That was kind of uh, that was kind of making me buy into Captain. And I considered streaming him in tonight. So glad I avoided that, uh, Lewis. I am also very glad to uh, have sat down and chatted with you tonight. And looking forward already to our Thursday night show. Thank you for joining us, and thanks to all of our listeners for hanging out with us. Come uh, come by twitch.tv slash keeping Carlson on Thursday. Do the same. Yeah, we've got some fun stuff going on. There's always just some goofy talk you uh, can see behind the scenes a little bit. Uh, yeah, and we enjoy having a, a, a little live audience here to chat with. Uh, but yeah, thanks everyone, of course, uh, for joining us. Please give us a follow on the old Twitter machine uh, before it all burns down at Short Shifts KK. Brian and Elon can be found at Keeping Carlson and Dave Benton of the Stream Scheme. Hangs around at NHL Stream Scheme. Also recommend you follow at Game Day Lines, at Game Day Goalies, and at Game Day News NHL. All organized so nicely at gamedaylinetweets.com our intro and outro music was created by pat roach and john reed is our digital media producer and podcast cutie until we see you next time play smart and keep your shifts short <laughs>